It's Lefko with the Brian Westbrook around. Yo, I'm not going to say that one. Oh, wow. Whoa, whoa. Hey, whoa. Hey, hey. I just watched Brian Westbrook. Watched It's the Playbook with Quinn and Williams. Yes. He is such a freaking gem, man. Hilarious. Hilarious. And doesn't he, he, he's one of these guys, you ever see a guy that doesn't even know how funny he is? A thousand percent. That's what he is. He doesn't even realize it. Who doesn't are, realize it. That's a great point. There are a lot of people that, like, he, that's the thing is, he's so purely innocent. Yeah. At the end of that, it didn't make the final cut. I made him make a promise mm-hmm. that to never lose that charm. Because who else has that, man? There's, I mean, some guys that are just so naturally funny. Like, like comedians, they have to try to be funny. Yes. But there's other people that are just naturally funny. They just do funny stuff. The way they say words yeah. are funny. Like, yeah. in, if you haven't seen it yet, ditch the playbook with Quinn Williams. The way he says, "Oh, I need my glasses." I need my glasses. Like that is so funny. Oh, I already got my part. I think, just, yes. Yeah. And it's and he says dope all mm-hmm. the time. Oh, mm-hmm. that's dope. Oh, that's dope. It's a guy from down south. I mean, I can tell he's from. I don't know exactly where he's from. Yeah. But one of my best friends, uh, Carell Buckhalter, you know. Oh, my God. He's from Mississippi. One of the funniest dudes I know. It's just the way that they talk. He used to bring his boys up to Philly, and we used to just go back and forth. One of his friends, in fact, I had a pool party at my house. I'll never forget this day. He jumps in the pool with his phone in his pocket back in the day when they had flip phones. So I'm I'm in the house doing whatever. Next thing I know, I hear popping in in my microwave. And I go in the, 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 oh. the kitchen like, what's going on? He said, I put my phone in the microwave to dry it out. Turn the microwave on. My, 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 I had to get a brand new microwave. <laughs> I mean, I almost killed this man. And he Hilarious. Was, he was dead serious. Oh, no, he was serious. He thought the phone in the microwave was going to dry it out. Wow. Crowd Buckhalter. No, his boy did that. Oh. Yeah, it was <laughs> Mississippi boys, man. Come so, on. So, uh, Quinn Williams is from Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, okay. Which yeah, fits perfectly. South. Yeah. There's, a, there's like an innocence to Southern guys. Yeah. The fun. It's not about jokes. It's just about having fun. Yeah. I love that. I love that, too. Yeah. So if you haven't seen the episode, uh, check it out. Uh, We're going to have a good conversation. A lot of uh, running back discussions today. Yes. Which, as we've seen uh, with your Dalvin Cook clip that Mm -hmm. everyone, people fuck with your takes on running backs. Apparently, they believe that you understand the position. Well, Dalvin Cook is getting it done. It's not hard to see. Anybody can see that. He's getting it done. But he's quick. He's fast. He's getting it done. And I wish they would use him a little bit more in a pass game. If he does that, then he's taking the next step. Uh, I want to clear up one thing, a little news and notes from last week. Uh, This is uh, just something for us. You want to put another dollar on, are we doing the line, seven points? Ah. I'll take it. Okay. I'll take it. It's two dollars. I said what? You said I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll I'll play play one more time. Yeah, play seven. I'll take it. Okay. I'll take it. Ah, prematurely. I I wanted... That's not what I wanted. So you owe me a dollar. Oh, your butt. The funniest thing is, is that um, I love the comment section. A lot of people don't like the comment section. That's where I see what people react yeah, to. see how they feel. A lot of people were putting down the quote, you owe me a money. Yes. yes. You said apparently. It's a money. Yeah, a money. A money means one buck. You owe me a money. Just one. Oh, one you, money. That wasn't a slip. That was no, a real. That, that was a slip. Okay, yeah. good. Um, can you name for me? The eight undefeated teams in the NFL right now. Me and Ingber were doing it earlier. Mm. Uh, this is the most undefeated teams entering week four since 1998. I probably can. So, right. Green Bay. Yep. Don't cheat. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to cheat. Uh, New England. Yep. Um, KC. Yep. Detroit. Yep. Uh, I want to say, not Indy. I know that. Um, Dallas. Yep. Seattle? No, nope. no, Seattle just lost. Okay. Um, Washington 0 3. 
How many is that? I, five. I don't remember who you're missing. Did you say the Bills? I did not say okay, the Bills. Bills. And I have no clue. What's up? I have no clue. None. Two teams in the NFC West. NFC West. San Fran. Yep. Seattle just lost, so it has to be Arizona's out. Who's the other team? The Rams. The Rams. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that wild? That is kind of wild. It's, it's surprising. I think one of the most fun things about sports is when you do, like, lists and stuff. Yeah. And you're like, give me the three top rushers in the NFL, and you just rack your brain. You it's just too hard. It's hard to do that, though. How many of those teams, here's the official list right here. Yeah. How many of those teams uh, do you believe in right now? I believe in the Chiefs. I believe in the Packers, the Rams, Cowboys, and Patriots. Okay, so you're, you're not Five. buying yet Bills, Lions, and Niners. Right. What's really interesting for me is, and we're going to get into the games more, but two of the undefeated teams, there's four undefeated teams facing each other. Mm -hmm. The Bills face the Patriots this weekend, and the Lions face the Chiefs. And I think um, I think that both of those 3-0 and teams that people aren't buying, because I would agree, I think that the nation agrees with you that it's a little too early to buy in fully on the Lions and yeah, Bills. of course. But I think that both teams are really going to surprise the nation with how close they keep it this week. Well, I'll tell you what, especially this weekend in particular, you're talking about Buffalo. Uh, they, hosting they have, the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, they're hosting and, the Patriots. And both teams are about seven-point dogs at home, well, which means Vegas isn't buying into it either. Buying. Well, Buffalo has an awesome defense. You add that to the crowd situation playing at home. That that changes that changes things. You also and I got some some stats on that. You look at what's going on with Tom Brady playing Buffalo. It's a different place. It's a for him. different game for him. Yes, he throws some picks. He makes some mistakes that he never makes. Tom Brady rarely makes some mistakes. He makes some mistakes against Buffalo that you never see against any other team. Ingber Ingber's in my ear right now. Was Brady the winningest coach in winningest quarterback in Ralph Wilson Stadium history? Is that what it is? In New Era Stadium, that Brady apparently has more wins at Buffalo Stadium than any Buffalo quarterback in like the last three decades, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is insane. But my big reason I think they're, they're both teams could keep it close is because I respect the defensive coaches that are ahead of Detroit and Buffalo. Right. Matt Patricia and Sean McDermott have done a great job whenever they face – look – the Patriots went into Detroit, and Matt Patricia held that offense, and, and, and everybody was going, wow, what's wrong with Tom Brady in this offense? That's right. I look at it like this. I think Sean McDermott has shown that he can game plan really well for the Patriots, and he knows what they're trying to do. And I said on Monday, their offensive coordinator has Patriots ties. So much about being a good defensive coach is knowing what the other team wants to do right. and taking it away. That's right. The other thing is, is what what. Uh, Belichick did against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game was we're going to play man-to-man -man across the field, mm -hmm. and then we're going to double-team Tyree Kill with Devin McCourty no matter where he goes. And it was a little bit of a cover zero, and it, and no one's really tried that before. Nope. And Patricia is somebody that is going to watch that and is smart enough. Now, I get a little bit worried about the Lions because – I don't know what's up with Mike Daniels, and Darius Slay might not play. And when you're missing guys to maybe do a man-to-man -man concept against the Chiefs, it scares me a lot. But I have faith in Patricia and McDermott in terms of game planning to make to, to make it very complicated for those teams. I think that – I think you're right. The one question you would have 
You know, I love the defense. The defense is going to do their thing. Right. Offensively, I think that at some point the Patriots percent. will figure they'll figure something out to score some points. Offensively, will the Bills figure it out? Because the Patriots defense in three weeks is on a historic and well, yeah, but, but, but you gotta you gotta put that in context. Sure. Pittsburgh, Miami, the Jets. Three teams that absolutely. are absolutely and the struggling. Jets with Luke Falk, hundred percent. Right. But I, I think that is the question. The thing is, though, is I look at uh, Detroit against Kansas City. Yeah. I think that is a defense that Matt Stafford, I, I, I think if you really look at their first half against Arizona, uh, in the crunch times against Philadelphia when they needed that touchdown to Marvin Jones, they were able to make it happen. They get a little bit too conservative, but I think Detroit can put up some points against the Chiefs. Yeah. And the Bills against the Patriots, They'll struggle. They'll struggle to put a point. I, I I think that you're right. But I also think that Josh Allen is the type of quarterback to kind of make life interesting for the Patriots, where the Patriots are going to have to maybe spy him a little bit. I also think that Josh Allen could make a mistake that no, the Patriots will take. He'll, he'll absolutely make some mistakes. The, the big question is, is John Brown and Cole Beasley good enough to go against man-to-man against the Patriots? Right. Without getting their quarterback killed. I do not think so. That, that's the question. So, because the run game, the run game is okay. Frank and, and, and Singletary, they're okay. But they'll, they'll figure a way to slow that down because you're going to play man-to-man outside. You got eight men in the yes. box. Can can those receivers get open? And can and can you get them the ball? That's the question. So Philadelphia fans know this very well, their weird relationship with Sean McDermott. Yeah. And I have been an enormous Sean McDermott fan for a long time. I love what the Bills are doing right now from their GM, Mr. Bean, that they stole from Carolina. They pretty much stole the two smartest people that were on the Panthers from that 15-1 and team. Well, that's what the best— Sean McDermott, their defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and their GM, who was an assistant GM under Gettleman, who's now with the Giants. And they, they went out this offseason. They signed, like, five veteran offensive linemen, and it's shown to work. Yep. They've built their defense. They got Ed Oliver with the ninth pick, which was such a steal, the way they built the secondary. I love what they're doing. But Philadelphia fans have a weird relationship. Sean McDermott was the heir apparent to Jim Johnson. RIP, the greatest defensive coordinator that Philadelphia has ever seen. He used to, they just called him the mad scientist. And then Sean McDermott was the guy that replaced uh, Jim uh, Jim Johnson right away. And that first year, that defense was the worst defense in the NFL. Philadelphia fans ran Sean McDermott out of town. He goes to Carolina. He builds that defense into a great defense with Luke and and Thomas Davis and had good pieces. And now he goes to Buffalo and it keeps going. And I'm curious – I want Sean McDermott stories out of you. Was there anything that comes to mind where there's this young Sean McDermott guy? Did you guys cross over at all? Or when he was coming up, you were already gone? No. When I was coming up, he was coming up almost at the same time. So I watched him from being an intern almost to a a, a grad assistant type of position to to the point where he was a secondary coach. And then right Right before I left, they were thinking about promoting him to defensive coordinator. Obviously, right. Jim's situation had went down. And so, um, Sean's good dude, like good character. He understands the values because he went through the system, because he started at the bottom and worked his way up. He understands the hard work, the yes. discipline, the, the 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 long nights. That's the type of and person that he is. he's not afraid of that stuff. And he's a quality dude, so he's not going to throw you underneath the bus. He got those good qualities, detail-oriented, from, from Andy Reid. But he also knows how to get the best out of players, and he also got that fiery fieriness from Jim Johnson because yeah. Jim would get after you, and he had no problem getting after you. Sean's not 
a guy, he's not going to cuss and fuss. No. He's not going to do that. But he will get after you when he yeah, needs to. I, I believe when Sean McDermott first got there, he put like a wrestling mat in the middle of the locker uh-huh. room. And he pretty much was like, I'll wrestle anybody. Let's go. Like, yeah. let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, was, good quality. Was there ever that. a game or a moment where you looked at Sean McDermott and you went, oh, this guy has head coach material maybe? Um. No. Okay. There, there wasn't. And you know, it's a little young at the time. It, it, he was still young. I, I didn't think that John Harbaugh would ever be a head coach. Yeah, we were. And talking I about thought that. that when he got a job, I didn't think he would be a good head coach. Obviously, I was wrong. So I'm probably not a very good judge of that. <laughs> this is this is the truth. I know that he's a hard worker, which it takes to be a coach. I know he's detail oriented. The biggest thing for a coach is can you get 53 guys or however many guys on the team? Can you get the best out of those guys every single time they enter the field? And I can't sit here and say that that roster has a bunch of good guys, a bunch of good grade A players, some of the best in the league. However, I know that Sean has gotten the best out of those guys. The Buffalo Bills, I believe, have the most B-plus players in the league right now. Mm -hmm. All of their offensive linemen, like you look at their offensive line, you got guys like Ty Nasecki. Like this is a guy that was on Washington for a few years, and every year they heard a starter and he was there, and now he's there. I look at their defensive line, and they just lost Harrison Phillips, but their linebackers, like a Matt Milano, is a guy that... He's not going to get any attention. He's probably not going to go to the Pro Bowler. But every time I watch him, he's taken down a Saquon on first contact. Mm-hmm. A lot of great – I look at their safeties and Micah Hyde everywhere. But he's never going to – they're just a bunch of B-plus players, which is great for a team that's going to go like 9-7 and seven right. and punch you in the fucking mouth every that's week. Right. You talk about him being a good guy that puts in the work. We do this a lot with coaches where we make it seem like they all put in the work. No. How many coaches are putting in as much work as Sean McDermott? Like how many coaches are not? Because we never hear about the guys that are not. Well, I mean, I, I think you have to understand there are some teams that look like they're undisciplined, that aren't doing things. And that means to me, if, you're, if you go out there and you commit 18 penalties and penalties are you're just penalty-ridden the entire game, first three games, we've seen some teams like that, Cleveland in particular. Yeah. That means somewhere along the line, your message, either you're not doing the work or your message is not going so from the head coach down to the players. Because what we do as fans is we go, man, this offensive lineman can't stop fucking fall starting or or they're not tackling while yeah. this is a player thing. You think when you have mass issues like that, it definitely goes to the coach. Absolutely. Step? That's so funny because I always thought we blame the coaches, but really it's the players that are the ones making those well, dumb yeah, mistakes. I mean, but if, if it's one guy that jumps off every now and then, okay, that's just part of the game. But if you have 18 penalties like the Browns had the first game, hold on. Well, maybe we're not practicing up to standard. Maybe we're not putting our players in the best position. Maybe I'm having guys think too much, and they're not thinking about – they're not just going out there reacting, being athletes. They're just thinking about other things. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to look at it, but at the end of the day, it's the head coach's job to make sure that you have your best athletes in the best position where they're comfortable so they can go out there and perform. You don't. Not all coaches do that. You don't need to give me a name. If you want to, I'd appreciate it. But um, (laughs) – Have you ever been around a coach that was really not putting in the time and that it got to a point where it angered a lot of the players? I've been around a coach that I think he probably should have put in more time. And I also think that – and I'll say this, Mike Singletary, and I think he's a – I was going to say his name. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to talk bad about Mike because no, 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 I, no. I think this. I think he was a great motivator. I think that he knows a game like nobody's business. I think that it's really, really hard, and I'll use Michael Jordan, and I'll use Mike Singletary, for elite athletes to ever show someone that's not elite how to, how, how to do something. Mm. 
because the, he can he has the ability to do things with his body, with his mind. He sees things differently than me that I'll never be able to see. So, like when Ed Reed went to the Buffalo Bills coaching staff, how is Ed Reed going to explain to a safety you his vision and his instinct? Because it you either got it or you don't. Well, yeah, I can say, hey, I look at the tight end, and when he does this, I do this. But there's times in games where my body just reacts. If I'm talking to a running really? back, I say, you know what? This is what you're looking at. You're looking at the defensive end. If you see somebody outside of him, then you cut inside. But when in the, when I'm in the game, I'm not saying okay, two left step, right step, and then cut. I'm saying, what do you feel? What do you? What does your body feel? That comes from years of experience. The quality guys, the good guys, the elite guys, and Mike Singletary was one of those yeah. guys. It's hard to explain that. The, the other thing I thought about Mike was that. You know, you got to put in the time. You got to understand offense and defense. You got to be able to talk to both sides of the field. And, and I don't know that he had the understanding. To me, I don't know that he was ready to be a head coach right. because it's much more than X's and O's. It's about it's about film study. It's about preparing your team. It's about what are you doing in the weight room? Where are you staying at when you travel? How do you travel? It's all those little small things. What do you eat? Nutrition. All those small you things the head coach had to be a part you of. You also said before his messages got stale. Yeah, we, and and the thing is, is I don't think people realize, just because you're a professional athlete, we're not counting on the millions of dollars to be your motivator. We're not counting on the wins and losses, even though they're adults and they make a lot of money and they're right. no, like you still need to be motivated. That's right. And I think that surprises a lot of people. Well, some people do. Now, there's others that are self motivated, just like the real world. Right. There's those that like go Larry in. Fitzgerald. We've seen everything could be crap around him. He's going to go do it. He's going to go no do matter what because and those he has people pride. are special. Those are special. But people. I think that the public thinks that those people are normal. No. And I'm telling you that the Larry Fitzgeralds and the Tom Brady's and the J.J. Watts, they're the freaks. They're, they're, Stop thinking that's normal. But, but just imagine, look at all the burnouts that are first-rounders. They just they didn't they weren't good enough. They didn't put enough work in. They could have done a little bit better. There's a bunch of guys that I played with that are first rounders, had a bunch of talent. They didn't want to put their work in because they were first rounders. And so they never actually achieved their their to their up to their potential, their level of potential because they don't want to put the work in. Now you have a bunch of guys that are third, fourth, fifth rounders that put in more work than God allows, and they actually went on to have great careers because they put the dog on work in. How much did being a third round pick help you? I think for guys like me, having a chip on your shoulder, yeah. being a third-round pick when you thought you should have been a first-rounder, being a fourth-round pick when you thought you should have been a second-rounder, that's a better motivator than anything else. Is it ever better than you? money, better than girls, better yeah. than whatever else. That's the best motivator because it's about me putting in the work, and, and every time you step on the field, I want to beat you. I, I'll never forget my rookie year. I got drafted to a team that had Brian Mitchell, Karel Buckhalter and Deuce Staley there, right? And so in the offseason, after the first mini camp, they went and Dorsey Levins became a free agent and they picked up Dorsey Levins. Yep. And I'm like, so obviously that busts me down even further. You know, it ended up that Karel Buckhalter got hurt and Dorsey was one of my good friends. Just saw him the other day. But now when I'm training, all offseason, all my trainer was saying, and they went and got, they went out and got Dorsey Levins to replace you. Wow. And that makes you work a little bit harder. And there are some guys that don't feel that. Some guys are oblivious to that type of motivation. And I think coaches are the same way. Sean's not like that. He's like, listen, I'm going to work hard whether I'm the coach of the little league team yes. or whether I'm the coach of a, the professional team. Yeah. That's the type of worker he is. And, and when you watch his team, that speaks volumes about the coach. Yeah, That's what happens. That, that What you see on the field, if, if, if that doesn't – 
it, it, what you see on the field doesn't represent what the coach is saying. There's something wrong with the message. It's getting lost somewhere. As someone that came in and was drafted lower than they thought they should have been, and you have that chip on your shoulder, yeah. is it hard to not resent every first-round pick that comes in after you? No. I never resented anyone. Okay. Right? I, I've, I've only looked at it like, well, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to be better than you. I'm going to I'm going to outwork you. Yep. I'm going to I'm going to be in the weight room more. I'm going to get here a little bit earlier. It was funny because you hear it all the time. The, he's the first one in, the last one out. Well, there are some guys that say, "You know what? I take pride in getting here early." Andy Reid, he would never leave it seemed like. He would be there. I would get there every now and then 3:34 o'clock. And Andy was already there. He he would just he would just stay there because he and felt you meant like in the morning for in the morning yeah wow. because Andy wanted to he he didn't want to go into a game and say you know what if I would have put in another hour of film study I would have probably understood what the defense was going to do same thing for Sean Sean is that he's he's cut from the same exact cloth and that's why his teams which again I I, I look at their talent I'm not saying they're they're terrible, but I think yeah. they, they're more talented teams in the NFL than the Buffalo Bills. But this team is going out there, and their their play resembles the, the thought process, the mindset of their head coach. Andy Reid in Philadelphia had the four years or the three years in a row of not making it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. There was a notion still with this Kansas City Chiefs team that no matter how well they do in the regular season, the playoffs are the only thing that matters. Do you think Andy – doesn't worry about it? Do you think that's his chip on his shoulder? How do you think Andy looks at the playoffs and the pressure and how people kind of go, you're fine in the regular season, but you haven't won the big one yet? Well, do you think I, that sits on him? I'm absolutely sure it is. Because Andy is like keenly aware of his surroundings. He's keenly aware of people talking about him, things like that. Great. I mean, one of the best coaches, probably probably the best coach that I ever had. And so he's always has, has thought of how he's viewed by others. And I think that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I think he understands that he has a special team. We had a special team too. We yes, weren't thinking 2005. about five. Yeah, we weren't thinking about making it to the playoffs. We were saying, where are we going to be seated at? Can we get a home game? And can we get to the Super Bowl and win? That's and, and when you look at this Kansas City team, nobody has ever in the last two years, this year, last year, has ever said, you know what? Um, I wonder if this team is going to make the playoffs. Nope. The question is, can you get home field advantage? Can you win the big game? That's the question. And Andy Reid, throughout his careers throughout his career, has has always been faced with that. Mm. Can you win the big game? That's the question. Can you manage the clock when it's when it's two minutes left and you got one timeout? When are you going to call that timeout? Can you manage that? Yeah. That's the question about Andy Reid. Can you win the big game and can you manage the clock? How different is a team's energy when when you know – like that year that you guys got T.O. and you're like, holy shit, yeah. look at our defense. And It was like the first year that the offense was like matching the defense. Mm-hmm. And I think about teams like the Chiefs right now. What is – how different is the energy in that building compared to a year where you're a playoff team compared to a year where we're a Super Bowl team? The building is – Is it pressure? Is it excitement? I'll give you an example. So there was – you know, we played 16 games, so we probably – my, that Super year, we probably the starters probably played thirteen games, right? Like, like no, and just played in thirteen games. Yeah, out of those thirteen games, probably eight of them we played the full game. So I mean, wow. you're, you're talking about a half a season. We were not even playing either either a full game or a half of the game, just right? Dusted. We were we were beating people pretty bad, and that that just kind of permeates into the building. Everyone's excited. We're just excited about it. Would be Sunday. It'll be the off day, and then it'll be Sunday again because you're just excited about getting to that next day. Yeah. It's almost like a kid the night before Christmas. You just want to get to the next time so you can go out there and do it again. It, it was funny. T.O. and I, T.O. and I used to have competition who would score the most. I mean, it, 
We, we know we were going to score. Yeah. <laughs> it was just how many touchdowns are you going to score? And we were all, he would go back. That's one for me, and I'll be on the bench. Like the only thing I'm thinking about is I know they're not going to stop us. How many can I get so that I can beat To as far as touchdowns? Yeah. We were special like that. When you watch this Kansas City team, I was watching a clip of Hardman. Oh, oh my man. goodness! If he's not the fastest guy in the league, oh, I don't know who it is. Are you talking about the one where he bobbled it and then ran across yeah. the field for the first time? It was it was phenomenal. And, and and I wrote down in my notes, I was like. One, I wrote down, who the fuck is scouting wide receivers for the Chiefs? And then the two is, how does somebody that's this talented last to the third round? Doesn't make sense. I, I'm just telling all the NFL teams out there, focus on the SEC wide receivers. Yep. Because none of those teams have quarterbacks, nope. and all those kids are five-star recruits, and they all run four threes, and we haven't even seen their potential yet. Because think about Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley was a first pick in the first round pick, and his statistics sucked yep. because his quarterbacks couldn't even throw it That's to right. him. That's right. But but Hartman, but you were talking about the clips and the Chiefs and the energy of always. Yeah, scoring but, but when you if you walked into the building of the Chiefs right now, it's probably like Christmas in there because they're just excited. I mean, obviously they're excited about the three and zero start. That's great, but they're excited where they're at as a team. It's about building something that you can see has some longevity. First of all, you got a quarterback that's going to be there for the next 15 years that's special. So you know that already. Second of all, you have a head coach that you know he can build a franchise. He can build something, a character, a culture in the building that's going to be special. Then you start adding more pieces. Hardman, and you bring back Shady, and you got Hills coming back at some point. You're going to build an offense. I mean, it's just it's you start putting, putting the pieces together, and how can you not see that? Just about, if, if you had a business, you say, you know what? We went out and got the CEO from Google, and we got the COO from, from, from Microsoft, and right. we, we got all these good people. And you have to understand, when we start putting things together, it's going to make all make sense. It's going to be really, really nice. That's how special that, that building must be out there. That's what I think is also special about Andy is there's a lot of teams this happens in sports. When the Warriors got Durant, there's only one ball. That's right. When the Rockets got Westbrook, there's only one mm-hmm, ball. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs should be a team that we're going, you know, is Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, are they worried about getting the ball? And it's not even a story. You know why? Because the head coach says, you know what? We're going to win. Winning's number one. Winning's number one. You're going to get your stats. I'm going to get you off Travis Kelsey, but I'm also going to get Tyreek Hill his. I'm going to get this running back, Williams, as well as McCoy his. But uh, uh, Patty's going to get his, too. He's going to throw the ball deep. Yeah. He's gonna, everybody, if you just do your job, trust me, I'll take care of you. My other question is, it's kind of like a 300 thing. Remember in 300 where he threw the spear at the end and he didn't kill the king, but he showed that yeah. he was human by, yeah. by making him bleed? Uh-huh. When you're a team like the Chiefs or your team in 2005, is there a time where, uh, like, you you suffer a loss or a game's a little bit close and you realize, wow, this machine, while phenomenal, can still be attacked? I'll never forget this. 2000, it might have been 2004. We're undefeated at the time. We're just rolling through teams. T.O.'s first year. We go to Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh has always, you know, for a yes, time Pittsburgh, there. Pittsburgh, for some reason, Jerome Bettis would always play well, yep. big against the Eagles. But they were a nasty, physical team. Yep. The AFC North at that time was just nasty and physical, yeah, right? So there was no fear, so we're just going to punch you in the face. Well, and we were we were a physical team, but we weren't nasty like they They were just like, you. I would hate playing them in a preseason because Joey the, they'll come out. 
Everybody has triceps, biceps, arms. They all greased up. And before the game, in the pre, this is a preseason. You're looking at them like, man, the last thing I feel like doing is dealing with these guys for a quarter or two quarters or whatever. But then we get to the game in the regular season, and it might have been twenty-one nothing in the first quarter. It was it got ugly quick. Steelers twenty-one nothing. Yeah, you guys. No, no, Steelers. They were up wow. big. Wow. you guys, you were undefeated. against us. Yeah, we we're undefeated. This is when Donovan and To got into it on the sideline. Damn. In Pittsburgh, they started started there. So. You know, after the game, we were like, okay, we need to we need to recalibrate. I mean, what's the deal? We we got punched in the mouth. We've never been punched in the mouth like that before. We we kind of we we understood what was happening. We understood how it went down. We made some mistakes, but you got to recalibrate after that. The key to those types of situations is having a leader, not only the head coach, but in the locker room that says, hey, this is what happened. Calm down. It's not a panic time. Let's go back to work. And, and listen, the Chiefs aren't going to go sixteen and zero. But there's going to be some game that they ended up making some mistakes and they, they end up losing. And now it's the, the important part for the coach. When you're coaching, it's not about only monitoring things when you're winning. It's when you're losing, you got to come in there and say, hey, man, we're going to go back to work. We're going to work even harder this week. And we'll never let that, the feeling that you have right now, that will never happen to you again. Because when we go to work today, we're not going to allow it to happen. So then for us as fans, let, let's say the Chiefs lose to the Lions on Sunday. Okay. The big thing that we're then looking at is how they come out the next week. That's right. So for us, how do you bounce back? Of course. So that's if it. we see a team come out and destroy the next team, you go, "This team is beyond for real. They handled it. They they figured out what their weaknesses are." But if they come out the next week a little bit slow, should we then look at it and go, well, "Oh, they're having doubt now"? Well, here's a question: Is it a blip on the radar? Oh, it's just uh, just one of those things. We had a bad day. Everybody slept in the wrong bed. Everybody, you know, had a terrible week. Some got some people are hurt and some people sick. Or is it oh? Well, this guy's hurt. That guy's hurt. And now this team that we thought were juggernauts, they're just average because they can't do those things again. And I, I, I just think that Andy has built a system out there, especially with that quarterback. In the, and they got a bunch of guys. Their top receiver's gone. There's not many teams where you lose your top receiver. Uh, their top receiver's gone. They're starting left tackle and they're starting running back. There's just not many teams that like can that would do cripple that. almost every franchise look, except look, for the Patriots. Well, look at the Eagles. I'll, I'll just give you a, pr- a prime sure. example. They lose their top or two receivers. They look like uh, an elementary school uh, roster as far as a team offensively. Yes, they can't get it done. Their offense suffers and their defense suffers. Andy doesn't allow that to happen because he has a bunch of guys that just have filled in that next man up deal. That really works out there in Kansas City. And it's it's so rare, and it's so fucking special. Yeah. Uh, in 2006, you were sixth in the NFL in yards for scrimmage. Yeah. With 1,916 yards. Good season. Can you name the five guys that were ahead of you? I, I, I'm, I'm hard for me to think that I was sixth. I thought I was like second or third. I'm probably LT. <laughs> LT um, was number two. I couldn't, I couldn't name anyone other than that. Who took give it to me? Steven Jackson. Steven Jackson, what? Uh, monster year. Steven Jackson. I'll tell you this about Steven Jackson. Huge. I mean, he's a grown man. Grown man. Grown man. So he's big. He's strong. He has soft hands, can catch it out of the backfield. So good at Oregon. He, he was quick. And at some point during the season, and we talked about it last week, some point during the season, if you're playing against a team that knows they're not going to the, the playoffs, they start making business decisions against that guy. And then he destroys them. And he, Steven he, Jackson is one of those guys where I look at his career, and he's like up there in rushing yards all time and total yards, yep. and I feel for them so bad mm-hmm. because he was on that Rams That's team right. that sucked for so long. Who's their quarterback? Sam Bradford towards the end for him. Oh, and he had so many bad quarterbacks. And I don't remember anybody else. They were just all bad, just all guys. Bad. Like the end of Mark Bolger, like yeah. when it wasn't working anymore. Uh, the other guys in front of you, uh, Larry Johnson. 
You are you serious? But he he was he went off that year in Kansas City. Insane. Yeah, but did he have two thousand yards rushing? I think he did. Yeah, so he went off that year. That makes sense. Tiki Barber? No way. Do you Tiki. believe that you were better? You, you were better than Tiki Barber. Tiki Barber. Who was better at their prime? You or Tiki? I was better than Tiki at my prime. He he his his prime lasted longer. Yes, you also didn't have a fumbling problem. Yeah, yeah. His his prime lasted longer. I was better at my prime. My my prime was just so. The really short. cool thing was is Tiki was a, an eagle killer yeah. and you were a giant killer. Yeah. Tiki was good now. Now Tiki could do a lot of the same oh. things. A lot of the same. I, I think really Tiki. I don't know where we'll go back to like who was the running back that really made pass catching a, like a thing that. But he's definitely up there. No. Marsha Falk was a guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But Marsha was the guy. Tiki was soon after him. LT. Tiki did a lot of the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And the other guy that was in front of you? Frank Gore. Frankie G. And Frank Gore is still fucking playing. Frankie, listen. Think I'll, about that. Think about that. That was 13 years ago. Steven Jackson's been retired. Mm-hmm. LaDainian Tomlinson is in the Hall yeah. of Fame, yeah. which means he's been retired for five years. Yeah. And Frank Gore was one of those Let guys. me tell you something about Frank Gore. So I go to San Fran my last year, and the first day I meet him, and I had never met him before, I was like, Frank, listen, I'm not here to replace you, bro. I'm just here to kind of chill out a little bit. And compliment you. And compliment you. Yes. When you're tired, I'll go in. If it's a play where you're not getting the ball, I'll go in. And so the first practice, I'll never forget it, Frank took every rep. <laughs> took every rep. Every play, every rep. Second practice, every rep. So the third practice, I went to the coach like, yo, hey, man, I, I kind of want to learn the offense and stuff like that, but I can't because I get no reps at practice. Yeah. That's just how Frank is. And I'm like, all right, so first 10 weeks of the season, I might have played six or seven plays. <laughs> Legitimately six or seven plays in ten weeks, right? And so, at this point, after ten weeks, I'm like, all right, well, I already see how what type of year this is going to be. I'm I'm expecting to go for the rest. So I'm not not that you just chill, but you're like, okay, mentally, you slow down. You slow down. You don't you don't check all the way out. Yeah, but you're closer to checking out, right? And so, next thing I know, Frank gets hurt. Oh, and I'm like, oh no, (laughs) oh no, because you got to turn back up real quick. Yeah, well, ten weeks ago, I was in shape. And I was slowly fading to retirement. Frank Gore effect. And but to see Frankie G, hardest working running back I've ever seen. In what way? I'll tell you this. After a game, your body, and he's not, he's not tall. He's not, he may be no. an inch or two taller than he's me, compact but he's as hell. thick, though. He's thick, he's strong, and he loves football. A day after the game, I couldn't walk. I can't walk. It's just your, your body's too sore. Legs are getting hit. Frank is running sprints. He's doing squats the day after the game. That's why he's still playing. He takes care of his body in a whole different way. He learned from um, Fred Taylor down there in Florida. Damn. They, they work hard. Another machine. Fred Taylor was a beast. Absolute beast. Should be in the Hall of Fame. Certainly should be considered for the yeah. Hall of Fame because he was a beast. Speed and power, and he was big. But you're not surprised that Frank's still going. Um, I'm not. I'm su- only surprised from this from this element. I know how age catches up. I also know that he had a couple knee surgeries. Yes. And I know how that my knee affected me. And so for him to be able to still do it, he was up there with McCoy. And McCoy, like, listen, Frankie G is a machine. Really? He's he was a t- machine. He was calling you. Yeah. He's like, what's up with Frank? I'm like, Frank. Frank is a machine. Like a straight machine. He's a beast. And so I'm not surprised at his success. I'm surprised that his body is still holding is up. He, does he joke about it at all? Or is he just like straight business? No, he has fun. But okay. but but Frank is one of those guys that he's emotional. And so if you – I remember what we played – Yeah, what do you mean? We played in Arizona one game. And, and before the game, he broke us down. He was crying before the game. We wow. got We got beat. And he was crying after the game. Like, he was so emotional. He was cussing people out. Like, he, he, Frank is one of these guys that loves football. 
and does not tolerate losing at all. Mm. And the NFL is not a, not filled filled with guys that love the game. He loves football. Frank is one of these NFL lifers type of people. Yeah. He has a young son playing, I think, in college at this point because he's been playing for that long. Frank is a machine. I love. And Frankie he's crying too. just because he wants it that much. He's passionate. He wants to win. Only thing he wanted to win. We were zero and six, so of course he's crying. Everybody was crying at that point. But he wants to win so much that he's willing to do anything. He he'll run through the wall. He'll run literally run through a wall just for his team to win. You ever see him do something crazy? You're like, wow, this guy's a lunatic. He never. He wasn't doing things crazy. He just. He just. It was wanted, just so consistently there. all the time. He, he was one of these guys like. Let's, he, he would in practice. He would say, "No, you got to take more reps." He's telling Bernard Davis, "Take more reps." Josh Morgan, do more so that we can be better. I mean, he's one of these guys that's like, "Yo, come and, with and me." And the rest, of, me. the rest of the team's like, "Bro, my body's wearing down." Well, the, the rest of the team's like, "Yo, I'm tired. Let me so get a you're, break." You're telling me Frank Gore's been playing for what seems like two decades, and not only that, he's probably taken almost every snap in practice. No doubt about so it. So the wear and tear on his body no is not just all those snaps in the game. No doubt about it. And, and that's but, crazy. But think about his style, though. Again, it just you, run right into. Just you. go run somebody because back in the day, San Francisco they ran power. Run downhill and go run over the, the linebacker. Do that 20 more times a game. Man. That's how Frankie G plays. So I've always said that the argument against Frank Gore uh, for the Hall of Fame is there's probably never a season where he was like the number one running back in the NFL. Yeah. But I guess the argument for him is we're likely never going to see a guy do this again. I think that Frank Gore makes the Hall of Fame. I think that the number for running backs and to get into the Hall of Fame is 12,000 yards. Frank has fourteen thousand, almost almost fifteen thousand yards. How do you how do we discuss the running backs like Emmett and like Frank? Where in terms of like the talent that it takes, the agility, the speed, we're never going to put them at the top. But the sheer length in which they've played is so incredible. How do we compare those to a Ladanian Tomlinson or a Terrell Davis yeah. that was incredible for six years? And, 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 and Terrell was—he wasn't even incredible for six years. It was more like four. The first couple of years, he wasn't yeah. that guy yet. So I think, um, I think when you talk about the Paul, you first of all you got to look at the numbers. What do the numbers say? Oh, the, if the numbers say for Frank fifteen thousand yards, then check. Yes. Right. Is he a winner? Frank hasn't won a bunch of games in his career. You know, they played in the Super Bowl, but he hasn't won. He's not. You don't look at Frank Gore and say, "Oh, his teams were just great," because he was on a lot of bad San Francisco sure. teams, right? Um, so that's kind of a question mark there. But when you look at his career, he has the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. He's out of his ability to run over anybody. To me, it's, he's a Hall of Famer, not a first ballot type of guy, because I think Fred Taylor probably is not, he wasn't a first ballot type of guy, and I think he's a Hall of Famer too. Mm. Hasn't even got in. I think Frank is a Hall of Famer just based on longevity and production. Mm. To me, that, that, that speaks volumes. Frank Gore, legendary eagle. Huh? Oh yeah, there was there was one all season where they right. signed him, right. and then he actually left and went to Indianapolis. He told him he didn't want to come there. He was like, "Nah, I'm not coming there," because I, I don't think he like. I think he ended up talking to Shady. I think that's what it yeah. was too. Uh, but I, I'm curious: is I'm seeing the running back position change in the NFL, and you were one of these dual threat guys, mm-hmm. and, and I don't think we're ever going to see a Frank Gore again. And one, just the way you evaluate running backs. When you're watching a running back compared to an average fan like myself, mm-hmm. what are you seeing that most people aren't seeing? Like, what do you pay attention to? What, do his, what does his hips do? Can he move? Can he? That's what I look when I was single. That's what I looked at on the dance floor. Ain't nothing wrong with that. What do them hips do? Yeah, what do them hips do? Um, that's number one. Can, can, can you? That needs to be a t-shirt. Yeah, what, what them what, hips do? What them hips do? What them hips do? 
can he get from point A to point B laterally faster than someone else? Mm. Start, stop. If you stop, because to me, if I'm coming up to you and I yes. stop and you stop your feet, you're beat. I don't get I me mean, because like I'm Philip Lindsay has amazing start stop start stop. Like there were so many times against the Packers where he was like stopped and then bang. And then the linebacker looked like they weren't moving. That's perfect. Frank Gore wasn't a big make you miss type of guy, but Frank would find an angle. So he would shake a little bit and then find that weak shoulder and attack that mm. run through you. Can you do that? One of the things that I've been seeing from Miles Sanders, the, the Eagles running back is open field. Can you make a man miss? If you can't make a man miss, if you can't make the first man miss in the NFL, then you're going to have a problem. And can he? He hasn't. He hasn't consistently done that. So does that, that scare you? That worries me. Because a lot of times that, that tells me about your natural ability. Can you make a man miss? It's hard to learn. How do you learn how to shake and bake? Yeah. You don't learn that. That's something that is either have it or you don't. You can get a little bit better at it. But if you can make a man miss in a hole, that's extra yards. You talk about yards after contact. If I make a man miss, if I can get from here to over here and you're, that guy is still over there, then that's a bunch of yards I can get. So you think pretty quickly you can look at somebody and go, they got it or they don't. I think you have a pretty. Has good. anyone ever like really proved you wrong? Like you 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 went one way and they surprised you, um, or was there somebody on the other side that people were saying they don't got it and you're like, no, trust me. I think that when I I, I use a guy that I was up close to when I saw Lashawn McCoy his my, his rookie he's 20 years old, but the way that he first of all he picked up the offense really really fast smart kid so he understands football he gets it here he understood the blocking scheme but he also understood that I can't go full speed to that spot especially behind the line of scrimmage. I got to pace myself. And that change of pace mm. is going to fool the defense. LaShawn McCoy, we talk about make guys miss. LaShawn McCoy had, a, had like a four or five year run where I would put him up against Barry Sanders. Nobody could tackle him. In terms of his ability to just stop and break somebody's That's ankle right. and go in the other direction. Yeah. The, the only running back in the NFL that I think can do it right now is Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, yeah. not an What NFL he fan. fucking did to that dude on the Chiefs? Not an NFL running back, but what, <laughs> what I saw him do, he 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 has – and, he, and he's not a small guy. He's a taller, slimmer guy. And yeah. so that's, that's why you don't want him to keep running. But he does make people miss in a way that quarterbacks just don't do. He's a running quarterback, yeah. but he he's when he has skills of a running back when he has a ball in his hand. Yeah, he gets into the open field. It's, it's not like a Mahomes or an no, Allen where no, I'm no, running to no, the pylon. No. It's, no, it's like he's running, but he also might stop and then go in the other direction. Yeah, he has I, that skill. I gave you a little bit of a homework assignment, and I hope that's okay. But I've noticed that in the fantasy community and also the football fan community, there's three running backs right now that are frustrating a lot of people. Yeah. James Conner of the Steelers, Joe Mixon of the Bengals, and Chris Carson of the Seahawks. All were first or second round picks in most people's fantasy drafts, and all of them I think people are going right now, uh, what's going on? And Brian Westbrook has just brought out what looks to be a book from the, the Gilded Age. Uh, this is this is from, uh, this, this is, might be from BC. I got my, my daughter's picture here when she was in preschool. You see oh, that? Oh, it's adorable. Yeah, yeah. All right, so what is this? This what? is a book. That I just I've had it for a long time, but I put in here people that can you, you know, blow will dust pop up. Into it's, the, it's, like, it's like an old I, school book. You see that yeah. old school has a little, you know, the little shiny edges, pages. almost like the Bible. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Go so ahead. take me to uh, where, where are you going to what's in the book? I have what's I, in the book. I, I have I have a bunch of notebooks at my house. Just I love notebooks, too. I when I'm just thinking you. of stuff, I just jot it down. Whatever okay. notebook is near, it's just no order. It's just I just jot it down in things that I'm thinking of. OK. And. In this book, in particular, we're talking about 
the running backs. Okay. That's what we're talking about and, and what's going on in their world. All right, so who do you want to start off with first? Let's go James Conner first. I think so, too. I think uh, I did see one statistic online that James Conner is one of the worst in the NFL right now in terms of yards after contact. Yeah. That he's not breaking tackles. I am a noob. I am a super fan, and I turn to you, Mr. Running Back. Mm-hmm. What is wrong with James Conner right now? Well, I, I, I think, again, stats will always mislead you. There's a couple things going on with James Conner, and number one is when you have Antonio Brown on your team, that changes things. It changes how defenses play you. It changes how, uh, how deep a safety is. So let's, let's say you have Antonio Brown who's going get, to get be, gonna beat you deep. So the safety normally lines up at 10 yards or 12 yards. He's lining up at 14, 15, because the last thing that you want to do as a safety is get beat deep over your head. So you're a little bit deeper. Now, let's just say you line up at 14 instead of 10. That's four yards. So now let's say I'm a running back. I break through the line of scrimmage. Nobody's there but the safety. Normally, if you're at 10 yards, you're going to meet me at six, right? Let's say you make the tackle at six, six-yard game. Yeah. Right? It's successful in anybody's book. Good, good run. But if you meet me, and let's say you start at 14, and you don't meet me until I'm 8, now that's 8 yards. That's 8 to 10 yards. And if I can make you miss there, I'm gone. I mean, it changes the way that teams play. And when, you, when you're missing Antonio Brown on that offense, this different. And you only have Juju, it's different. You can go double-team Juju. Yeah. And they've done some of that. Other thing, I think, I think the age of the offensive line, it's affecting them. Mm. The offensive line, they're not super-duper old, but we're talking about 27, 30 in January, 30, 31, and 33. To me, that's a little bit old. I mean, that, that's, getting, that's reaching the age where they're a little bit older. The other thing you're saying about the Steelers, people may say that Antonio Brown was their biggest loss. People may say that Le'Veon Bell is their biggest loss. You know who else they lost this offseason? Their offensive line coach. Mike Munchak. Mike Munchak is now in Denver. Yep. And... People would tell me all the time, Mike Munchak's the best offensive line coach in the NFL. That's right. Are you seeing a change in that I, play? I'm seeing – what I'm seeing is that and, – and really on all the running backs we're going to talk about, the biggest thing – and I don't know that James Conner has lost skill because I don't think that. I don't think any of the running backs have lost skill. But for a running back, if you're getting penetration in the backfield, if the offensive line is instead of getting pushed that way, they're getting pushed this way, Yeah. I don't care who it is. Unless you're Barry – it's going to be hard to compete. Yeah. Because I just got the ball. I took one step, and now I'm hitting the back of my offensive lineman. I have nowhere to go. What do you want me to do? And so there are so many times that James Conner has not gotten, you know, like a head of steam. He can't get two steps in the feet in the ground Mm. before he's getting pushed back into the backfield. Yeah. It's not okay. And so the other part is – the Pittsburgh Steelers back in the day, Jerome Bettis and Deuce was there for a little bit. And Willie, remember Willie Parker? Fast, fast Willie fast Parker? Fast Willie Parker. They were a nasty, physical, grinded out football team. Over time, they've stopped being that. They've stopped being that type of team because Big Ben, his development, he's like, now nah, I can just carry things yeah. for myself. Now, I went back to last year. Since week nine, James Conner hasn't had over 15 carries. Nope. That's kind of crazy for for someone that, especially last year, early on, you're like, oh, no, we don't need Le'Veon yeah. Bell. Yeah. Guess what was happening when Le'Veon Bell was there? He was getting 25 carries a game. I will. I said this all 25 last year, touches or so. At that least. James Conner was really good, but if Le'Veon was out there last year, mm-hmm. he would have been a 2,000-yard rusher. Yeah. And I do not believe that James Conner 
is even close to the talent level of no, Le'Veon Bell. No. Le'Veon Bell was somebody that even when there was penetration, he'd still be patient in the hole, and he'd use that penetration mm-hmm. to create a new running lane. I personally believe that James Conner is an average running back. I personally believe that the offensive line, There, I agree with you, there is no threat deep, and there is, like, there's nobody to take any pressure off James nope. Conner, and I don't think James Conner is that good to do it if he doesn't have the help. Well, that's at, just my belief. Well, I think he's a little bit above average. Okay. But when that happens, when, when you when you take all the things around you that made you successful, Antonio Brown, don't forget the quarterback's gone too. Yes. So you, you take that away. Now that average, a little bit above average, it looks kind of average. Yeah. Because everything's focused on you. Do you think James Conner is a ta- very talented? What's your read on him? I think that um, – I thought that he was he showed some things at the beginning of last year. Not that we haven't seen. Right. I just thought that he played really well at the beginning of last year. He was catching the ball out of the backfield. Yes, he, he was making some people miss. And it's a lot easier to make someone miss when you're five yards down the field opposed to two yards in the backfield. What about Joe Mixon? Because Joe Mixon is a guy that has always been seen as incredibly talented. Yeah. He's somebody that uh, went later in the draft because of off-the-field concerns. Mm-hmm. But every – Look, they have offensive line issues in Cincinnati, too. Yeah. Their first-round pick this year was Jonah Williams out of Alabama, and he didn't even play. That's right. But what what do you see right now to Joe Mixon? Again, I don't think think that the skill set of Joe Mixon, who I think is a talented player. Yeah. I saw him play last year. I watched all all of his games last year. I watched all of his games this year, too. Incredible runs. But incredible runs. Catches the ball out of the backfield. He's versatile. But actually, it's a similar situation. Who did they lose? Well, not only did they lose someone, they lost one of the best receivers in the game, and A.J. Green. Mm. Now defenses play you differently. A.J. Green is out. Cordy Glenn has missed Gone. every single game. You know what? And I, I, The reason that I would buy a lot of stock in Joe Mixon is A.J. Green is coming back. Yep. You would expect some of those offensive lines to come back. And also, like James Conner scares me because – um, you don't know if he has a skill set to right. do it. But Joe Mixon has played San Francisco, yes. and their D-line has been great. Yep. Buffalo, whose D-line is great. And Seattle, and Seattle yep. who got Jadavian Clowney. That's right. I, I, I have a little bit more faith in Joe Mixon that he's going to bounce back. The one thing that you can say about the Cincinnati offensive line, and, and I, I, it's not all one person's fault, but it's just true. If you get no push... It's impossible. So you're seeing no push from that offense. No push at all. Like no push. It's almost the same situation as from from uh, the Steelers. There's no push. It's guys in the backfield. It's it, it, you can say this about the Steelers too. There are times for Joe Mixon. What happens is the center and the guard are supposed to double team the guy in front of them, and then they're going. One guy is going to peel off and block the linebacker. Right. Yeah. There are just too many times. Where the those blocks, the double team are getting split. So the guy that you're supposed to be blocking with two people, he's making the play. The other times is that when you're blocking the guy with two people and you're supposed to peel off and block the middle linebacker, the middle linebacker is making the play because he's not getting blocked. So to me, you either don't know your assignments or you're just not doing your doggone job good. Mm. And so that's an offensive line thing. Joe Mixon went went out of his way to say. Hey man, it's my fault. I got to play better, which is the right thing to do as a running back. Truthfully, I watched all of his runs. And he hasn't got a bunch. Six carries first game, 11 carries, 15 carries. So that's not a lot of carries not for a running a lot back. Of carries. It's not a lot of time They're to get. They're also passing with this new offensive coordinator at a much higher rate compared yes. to last year. They got blown out by San Fran. So that's why you, you kind of explain that. But you have to kind of get in the rhythm. Yeah. And I think they have to figure it out. I don't know that offensively um, 
Look, I remember their GM this offseason. Uh, the, the Bengals fans went got very angry that they brought back Bobby Hart at right tackle. Uh-huh. And he went on a rant where he's pretty much like, guys, there are not great tackles out there. Nope. We have to settle with Bobby Hart. But I am interested because I think the game scripts have been bad for the Bengals. They've gotten yep. down early uh, at the same point. When A.J. Green gets back. It's a different game. Okay. The last one, it's really one issue with Chris Carson. Yes. Three fumbles in three games. Mm -hmm. This goes back to last year with a big fumbling issue. Mm -hmm. I don't believe you've ever had a fumbling issue. No. What happens when there's a running back like Chris Carson where there's just a chronic fumbling issue? So you got to understand who Chris Carson is. And it's really, if you don't watch him, he's similar to Le'Veon Bell. He wants to run you over. He wants to be physical. He wants to be nasty. And that's, that's how Seattle just – they kind of breed running backs like yes. that. We're going to run the football 30 times this game, and you're just going to have to run a couple people over. That's just part of the game. Chris Carson, he, he, he's actually done pretty good running the football when he holds onto the football. Yeah. But from a running back perspective, it's always a five points of pressure. Right, and, and it's kind of crazy. And it's technical. The top of the ball is one. Okay, you, so if I'm holding the ball, if here. I'm holding the ball, right. So the top of the ball, that's one point of pressure. Okay. Another one is your forearm, right? Okay. So, so your you, your actual forearm, your actual forearm, right there. Okay. The other one is your ribs. Your ribs. Your ribs. So the other the other two are here. So you have all of these. Your fingers, grabbing fingers the gripping ball. the ball. Your ribs. The last one is your elbow. Keep your elbow tucked because when you have your elbow tucked, the ball comes right here. Gotcha. Now, if your and elbows. So every time you ran it, you eventually did it so much that it became subconscious. Well, it's a habit. Yeah. You built it into where that's. You built it in here. And as you're running, if you keep this elbow tucked, all those fast people coming from behind you, they have nowhere to hit the ball from. Mm. Chris Carson does this a lot. LaShawn McCoy does it a lot, too. He swings the ball way out here. He's faster. He can make people miss. So guys that can make you miss, as a defender, you're worried about getting juked out of your shorts. You're not worried about getting the ball. But when you have big guys like this that want to run you over, you're not worried about them making a move and you missing. You're worried about getting run over. So you have an opportunity to just go for the ball instead. So you're seeing right now, is it Carson's elbow that's the issue? His his elbow's too wide. Mm -hmm. And so the guys from behind him are hitting the ball out from behind. So if you keep your elbow tucked like this, the guys from behind you, the only way they can get to the ball is come outside your arm and hit it, right? Right. But you got all this, the other four points that are protecting it. But he's popping it out. His elbow. Elbow was slightly too wide. So guys from behind them, they've been taught. You see him punching the ball up like this? Charles Tillman. Yeah, they're punching the ball out, and, and he's he's literally 20 yards downfield. Yeah, they're and, all great runs. Yeah, they're all he's great runs. He, the guys from behind are punching it out, and he's fumbling the football. And, and listen, he's getting 15 carries every single game, and he'll still get 15 carries. The, the number one thing we've all heard is if you fumble, you can't play anymore. Oh. Like, I've always thought there's no worse thing for a running back than being known as someone that fumbles. That's true. It, it's got to be like, was there anyone that you thought was really telling? The most important thing in the NFL is the possession of the ball. Because a team, you could come back from some mistakes. You could come back from penalties. If you turn the ball over, it's almost a death. You can't win that way. I'm sure that you've had guys on your teams that turned it over and everybody kind of looked at them and they're like, dead man walking. Well, yeah. I'll never forget. Again, I learned a lot from the veteran guys. Deuce and Dorsey and B. Mitch and those guys, Buck Halter. And they said it's simple. You got to be able to block. Can you figure out the blocking schemes and block for number five? Cool, I can do that. 
if you if just so you know, Sean Barber actually told me there's a defensive guy linebacker. Yep. He said, um, if you turn the ball over, he went to Richmond. I played him in college. He said, if you turn the ball over, you fumble, you will not play in the NFL. Period. The only thing that matters is the ball, and everybody wants it. So you got 11 guys on the defensive side of the ball that are coming after you, but they really want the football. And if you turn the ball over, then you will not play. The only reason Chris Carson is playing still is because Rashad Penny is sure. injured. That's that's the only reason. You you can't put he's a guy. He's really talented, but at no, the same he's point. good. But you fumble every. So you're helping us lose games. You know, listen, they lost that last game by six points. And I'm not saying that his fumble was the reason, but. I if, think it turned into a touchdown. If you want to make an argument for it, you absolutely can say turnovers can, can contribute to losses. When he gets on the field, do you think the defensive players are chirping him before well, the snap? This is what happens with drops and fumbles. They're contagious. You fumble once, and the only thing you're thinking about is don't I'm fumble, going to fumble. fumble. Don't do that again. It's just like if you step up to the free throw line as a shooter, as a, right. a basketball player, and if you're thinking, don't miss, don't miss, don't miss, I guarantee you're going to miss. Yeah. You're thinking. Athletes are not meant to be thinking in the middle of it. Athletes are meant to just react. Yes. Just go do it. And now he's thinking about it. And now he can't go full speed. Because no. he's going to be thinking about don't fumble. And then he leaves the field and everyone goes, what happened with that fumble? And then he goes home and the wife's like, it's okay. It's okay. Don't it's hard if you fumble. Yeah, yeah. But I'm curious, like he goes out there and and he's playing the Saints. Are the Saints sitting there like, yes. ooh, fumble guys no, the, in. The defenders are, this is what the defenders are saying. I know you're going to give us a chance. I know you're going to fumble it. It'll be the next one. And and now Good run, but you're gonna fumble next time. When you're not thinking about it, now you gotta think about it. Cause all you hear is them doing their job talking trash. That's you know, that was the scary thing about Miles Sanders. That's what everyone talked about Fumbling him in Penn issue. State. Fumbled issue he in fumbled college. twice in Sunday. Yes. But but it, it, it's I mean, I just think about all the movies we've seen. Mm-hmm. Like the program where yep. they're making them walk around with yeah. the football all day. And they're and, and like, <laughs> you know, they're trying to knock it out in the middle listen, of class. Listen to this. We had somebody fumbled when I was in San Francisco. Maybe the first couple of games. So Singletary walks into the meeting. He said, "Listen, um, everybody on offense. So during practice, you have the offense team, the defensive team. All the reserve guys on offense usually stand behind the offensive side of the ball. Some of the defensive guys stand there too, but sometimes they're on the sidelines." So he said, "Everybody on offense, you're going to hold a football all practice long. And if if someone walks up behind you, punches it out during the practice." Then you got to run like laps. I'm in my ninth year. I'm like, what are you talking about? You want me to hold a football, concentrate on holding the football all practice long. How am I going to listen to anything? How am I going to pay attention to what the heck is going on in practice field? So now coaches walking around trying to poke the ball. We had guys running all over the place, guys running laps. And and it's a joke now. It, the practice became a joke because just trying to fuck with people. Yeah, you're trying to kick the ball out. So it was, it was – yeah, that's and, and the program is something similar happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Schefter came out with the report. Rappaport backed it up that it looks like Melvin Gordon could be coming back sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's interesting because Eckler's got a flow right now. Justin Jackson, his backup, is one of the leaders in the NFL right, that's right. now in yards per carry. And I'm sure Melvin Gordon's like, man, this ain't working out like I thought it was going to. Well, I think that when they said, oh no, 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 uh, go ahead and look for a trade. Oh, no, no. Or, or, oh, by the way, we're uh, we're not discussing this to the end of the season. <laughs> the season's yeah. over. He was like, oh, all of the levers that you have because they need you, all yes. the levers that Zeke had because they need you? Yeah. First of all, his agent should have told him like this, listen, 
Justin Jackson, when you were hurt last year, played well. Bald. Austin Eckler, last year when you were hurt, bald. Played well. And they both can catch it and run it the what same way think, that you can. What do you think Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson are thinking right now? Um, don't come back and mess my money up. Because mm. they haven't, neither one of them got paid yet. No, none of them are paid. And I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure they're not saying that, but in their mind, they're thinking, well, how is this going to work? We, we're splitting the pie two ways. Just imagine. <laughs> this, I, I do this at my house. When me and my wife were single, is you got half of the pie, I got half. One more kid, okay, you got a third, I got a third. Another kid, you got a quarter, I got a quarter. Now I got five kids. Yeah. I mean, not five. Oh, my God, it's five. Of us. I got three kids. There's five of us in the house. I got 20. I got most of my kids, they eat half of mine anyway. So I got probably <laughs> the, whatever the smallest pieces is. I want the big piece yeah, that's, of chicken. That's out yeah, of there. No, so I mean, that's what these guys are thinking. They're saying, well, how are we going to – I had a flow. Yeah. So I, it cuts me down from 15 carries to 10. And that's a big difference in the running back situation. Yeah, so, but I'm sure they all like each other. Of course they like each other. At the same point. Yeah, and I want you to be successful, but I want to be successful too. When Melvin Gordon comes back in, how do they handle that? Do they all go out to a dinner? I'm sure they're still talking I'm sure right they now, still talk, yeah. But at the same point, he hasn't been in the facility. Yeah. So I'm just curious, like, how does Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson, how do they kind of break that down with Melvin Gordon when he comes back? I don't know how they do it, but what if they just they – just, Ignored him. Like, didn't even say, I mean, what, 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 what would happen then? Like, yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I don't know how it happens. I think that all within a group, within the wide receivers group, within the, you, you are literally sometimes the only ones cheering company. Like, I'm, I want you to be successful. When, when my second year we had the three-headed monster, me, Deuce, and Buckhalter, I wanted those guys to be as successful as they could. I wanted to get mine too now. But if, when they had success and I didn't, I cheered them more because there were times where, I had success, and they yes, didn't. Yes. So they had to do the same thing. To me, I think they welcome him in open arms. But at the end of the day, I want to I want to win too. Meaning, I want to get paid in order for me to get paid. Yeah, which none of them are going to get paid in San Diego. I mean, in, in L.A. Yeah, but I got to perform. Does it hurt your heart that we can have guys like Melvin Gordon, and we can just write off the running back position? Does anybody can go back? There? Let, let me let me tell Does you something. About, you? Let me tell you something about Melvin Gordon. He is a Really good running back. Really good. And we talk, it reminds me of Steven Dog on Jackson. Yes, he does. He reminds me of him. Big, physical. Never make, goes down on first Never contact. goes down. He catches the ball well out of the backfield. The offense just isn't predicated on running the football. And but they're the okay. It's like that now. Dude, the number one conversation that I hear all the time on Twitter is people going, the running back position doesn't matter. It's been devalued. Well, they changed it, though. And the guy, the, the GM out in the Chargers, he changed his philosophy. No, no, no. We don't want to have a single guy get 25 carries. We want to have three guys that can do it. So I know that all of them, all the guys are healthy at the end of the season, and we're getting the best out of each guy. They've changed the thought process. If your son grew up and was a very talented football player and right. you let him play the game, because uh, I don't know what your stance is, um, and he said, and the coach came to you and said, we'd like to play your son at running back, uh, and you're like, yeah, but he's been playing receiver. What would you? Are we have we reached a point where even you would try yeah. and get your kids to not play the running back position? I don't know that we've reached that point. I would want my son to whatever if he if he plays, which I'm not, again I'm still out on that. But um, well, you're out on it. I'm, I'm I haven't quite made up my mind. I, I'm leaning towards being out, but I'm leaning more. I want towards, you know that this is a safe space. Well, I'm, I'm, if you don't feel comfortable with your kids playing football, no, no I'm no. not that big of a football. No, fan. no, no, no. I, I'm at this place where if he wants to play. He has to be 13, 14 okay. years old. I want his body to be a little bit more developed. Yes. I'm concerned about my son, and this is way off topic, getting hit 
at an earlier age. Yeah, bad form, bad coaching. Just, Nobody knows the fuck they're well, doing. Just, I mean, just imagine who's coaching these kids. And, and I props to all the coaches, all the coaches. Yes. Props to them. However, I had some really good coaches in the NFL, right? They were good. They've coached their entire life. They did, that was their job. Right. Yeah, this wasn't like some guy that came in after work and said, Sometimes all right, all that, not all the coaches have the, the best interests of the kids in mind. I'll yeah. just leave it there. And I, I, I just, that concerns me. But if he did play, let, 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 let's say, let's say. Would he, you he want did. him to be a wide receiver or running I back? I would. If I had a choice, yeah, I would want to be a wide receiver. You get, yeah. you get hit less, you get paid more. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. And, and that was, but I mean, of course, I want him to play the best position he's at, but that he can be. But if you can get hit, hit less, and pay more, right? That's that's a no brainer, no brainer. I know. It's just it's 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 it sucks because I love the running back position. You know why it sucks? Because running backs are important. This is why it sucks. Because you're talking about protecting the quarterback. Yep. Well, get you a running game. Oh, you want to give the ball to the inimportant guy in the back? Okay. You want to talk about uh, 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 make sure that your quarterback doesn't get hit by the blitzing linebacker? Oh, have the linebacker, the, the running back, block him. Yeah. You mean the guy in the back that you don't want to pay? Oh, oh, we want another guy out on the route. Oh, have the running back do it. Oh, you mean the guy in the back that you don't want to pay? You, you don't value that? Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. It's not a lot of teams that's out here that look at the Patriots last year. When they started winning, you know, they were winning all season. But towards the end of the year, they started running the football. Before they got, you know, this season, they wanted to run the football. Why? Sometimes things change. You got to be able to run the ball. Yeah. They, they spend high draft picks on running backs. There's some good running backs. Why wouldn't you want to pay them? The reason is because they get hurt. Well, maybe that's why you should pay them more because it's a dangerous position. In this world, the, the most dangerous jobs usually get paid the most. Mm. Why not pay the running back the most? And if he has a five-year career, pay him the most for five years because he means that much to your team. Yeah. I, I had a holdout one year, right? Holdout. And I was I came back after I held out, and I just wasn't talking to the media because I didn't want to discuss the contract. Yes. But then one day I was just pissed off, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to talk to the media today. Uh-oh. And I went in there, and I'm saying all this crazy stuff. I had made a speech or whatever. And I said, you know, at the end of the day, here's, here's the bottom line. Running backs may not be important across the league, but for this team, I'm important. I may not fit in Dallas. I may not fit in Washington. But in this team, I'm important. That's why you should pay me. And there are so many running backs that are quality guys around the league. And I think Melvin Gordon is one of these guys that can do a lot. Unfortunately, he's in a situation where he has got two other guys. Yeah. The GM, first of all, changed his thought process. He has two other guys that – that can do similar things, combine them together, and they're close to his level, and he's been hurt a little bit. So he's in a, just in a bad situation. But you got quality guys that can't get paid what they should get paid because now GM say, you know, he, do, he doesn't matter anymore. And, and it's becoming like a public agreement. You, that, you made me mad today. I'm glad. Yeah, you got, me, you got me a little riled up a little. You know, Jim Valvano says if you, if you get angry and you cry and yeah. you laugh every day, you live the full day. Yeah, all right. Brian Westbrook, you live the full day. I live the full day. You're um, right. Do you see this Jalen Ramsey situation? We talked, we joked about it on Monday. They had the flu. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, they asked uh, Doug Marone today about it, and uh -huh. he laughed before he started talking. Yeah. Have you ever had a situation on a team that you've been on where there's been a guy that's like faked an illness or it's been so untenable that he wanted to leave? I mean, obviously, we had the whole T.O. thing, but 
we've never been in a situation where guys just wanted to leave. But it's 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 funny because it's tough, man. I can't imagine what it's like to go in the locker room and everyone's like, "Hey, man, you're gonna get traded," and then you're not getting traded. And you don't get traded, and you're still really, really good. You just you want you ask them to let you go. Yeah, just let me let me get out of here. I don't want to be here. And obviously, you just cuss me out on the sideline. You probably don't want me to be here either. Sounds but, like it's more of a Tom Coughlin thing than a Marone thing. Well, I'll tell you this: all of them. Coughlin's boss, Marone's boss, he said that he wants him here. So guess what? And he wants to pay him. Oh, Shad Khan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The owner, the real boss. Yeah, the owner said, like, I'll make you the highest no, no. cornerback. Yeah, I'll make you the highest paid. So now if I'm Ramsey, I'm like, I'm at least considering it. Why, why wouldn't he? But it's funny because, bro, we've all worked at companies where the, I don't know, not everybody. We've been in situations where the head man in charge, he, he likes you. Yeah. But you got to deal with the other people. That's right. And I don't work with the head person in charge every day. No. I work with the other people. Yeah. And that's not always fun. Well, in sports, in sports is simple. If you pay me the way that they're talking about paying Ramsey, now all the little talk from the other guys, don't Coughlin, eh, I hear you. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. But at the same point, if I'm Ramsey, hey, listen, Mr. Khan, I know that you got a lot of money. And yeah. I know you're going to pay me. But I'm pretty sure because I'm the best cornerback in the NFL – a lot of owners are going to pay me. All of them are going to pay me. That's right. So, so yeah, I can get a check from you, mm -hmm. but I'm telling you that I'm so confident in my ability, I don't need your check. That's right. I can get a check somewhere else. Well, it's nice. It's nice to have someone say that you're going to have a check. But yeah, I, I, that's that may be part of the conversation. Yeah. When you're the best in the business, yeah. that absolutely is part of the conversation. Because he is the best in the business. Yeah. And it's funny to me that he said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to have the flu this week. Just <laughs> so you know, all week long I'm going to have the flu. I think he came in right. And he was like, yeah, not only do I have the flu, I think my back's hurting a little bit, too. Yeah, I can't. I, we, I ain't going to work. I, I, we call this all the time. We call it a hold in. Everyone says it's a hold out. That's right. When you don't come in the facility. Well, you could hold in. You could be in the facility and be like, you know what? There's something about my knee right now. I never understand. It's not it. going great. Ooh, and you know what? My elbow right. it doesn't feel good. That's right. That's right. I, I, like, I really hope I'm Ramsey is in team meetings yeah. and Doug Marone is up coughing. there and he's just going, <laughs> and everyone's, and every time everyone's laughing yes. and he's just yeah. going, <laughs> I always wonder because just got tissues all over his desk. I did the same thing. So I understand. You the did value. a hold in? No, no I did a okay, hold okay. out. So I was out, but I always wonder guys, Trent Williams, for example, yeah, losing millions of dollars, millions of dollars. Why did why just not just go? And be there and just be like, I'm not playing. I'm hurt. I remember, I, I remember there was a couple guys on my team, older veterans, <laughs> at the beginning of the training camp, every year, pulled the groin. Every, every year. It's my groin on my ankle. And they hurt. And how do, you, how, do you, how do you find that out? Someone has to go in there and rub it out to figure it out? No. The groin was hurt. Every, first three, four days, the Something, hardest days of camp. I'm just tight. Something in there. Something in there is, is I don't want to do the conditioning chest, <laughs> and I don't want to do the first three, four days of camp. It's in there somewhere. Yeah. That's my hold in. Damn. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, so uh, hey, hey uh, all the other guys out there, Jalen Ramsey apparently gets it. Something's wrong with your groin. Hey, I'm going to tell you this. Here's the thing. Not everybody can do that. Right. You got to be. Yeah, that's if right. you're, you're, the you're, best you're If you're not out there and yeah. you're something's wrong with your yeah. groin, well, then we're going to cut you Well, and find somebody with a good we gotta, groin. We just got finished talking about a perfect example with Melvin Gordon. And I'm not saying, listen, Melvin Gordon is a good running back, but there's different levels to that. If you're the best, you can make – if you're Zeke, you can make a decision. Yeah. I'm making a financial decision. But if you got other guys behind you that can replace you, hey, 
that's the way it goes. Uh, let's do some quick big games of the weekend. Yeah. Uh, but before we get to the weekend, Thursday night football, Eagles Packers. Uh, my one friend, I told him that I thought the Eagles were going to get shellacked, mm. and he said, "This is an underdog Eagles team. It's right where they want them." Is there any chance the Eagles on a short week, completely banged up, I know Alshon's playing, can go to Lambeau, and we've seen historically that teams with good defenses on Thursday nights win a lot of the time, even though last week Tampa Bay went into Carolina and won that game, but... Cam was just terrible, though. Is there And there was a like an hour-long lightning yeah. delay. That was actually two weeks ago. But uh, is there any chance the Eagles could win this game in your mind? A lot of things have to go right. A lot. Almost everything has to go right for you to go and beat this team out there because their defense has improved for the Packers. And Aaron Rodgers, he, he's upset that the offense isn't clicking yet. We're not clicking, which means he wants to throw the ball more. And he, he hasn't thrown the ball a bunch this season. So I think that um, – Everything will have to go right for the Eagles. And I'm talking about Carson has to play out of his mind. Uh, Alshon has to be on a different level. Obviously, you can't have seven drops. And I think they got to find a way to get a running game. And that's tough against this Green Bay defense. It's just tough to do that. And so all the things, and when I look on the defense side of the ball, all the things that the Packers do good offensively, usually, now it hasn't quite clicked this yeah. season, are the, the, the Eagles' weak points. Secondary, Whack. weak point. You want to go deep? Oh, yeah, we suck at that, too. We're not very good. Oh, oh, you mean Aaron Rodgers is going to have four seconds to throw the ball exactly. in the pocket? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll carve you up. There's a there's a reason why one of the big things I write in my notebook before every season is what prime players for every team had an off-season procedure or an injury. Yeah. Because this is, this is the time of the year where people go, but Fletcher Cox is not hurt. Why isn't he playing great? Well, Fletcher Cox had off-season surgery, and he's not there right now. That's right. And he did have a foot issue. And so I don't think we're going to get Fletcher Cox, real Fletcher Cox, until week seven or eight. Like, there was a question about whether Fletcher Cox was going to play in week one. And so I – you never saw this probably. When the Eagles drafted Derek Barnett, I had an episode, Mm -hmm. and I freaked out. Did you? Because I didn't like Derek. You didn't like Derek. Okay. Okay. Because – I'm not always a fan of drafting the guy with an incredible amount of statistics because it just meant you played for but a little. Broke, we broke Reggie White's sack record in Tennessee, right? And so my theory was always when people tell me, why is this guy good? Yeah. And they tell me that he broke Reggie White's sack record. Mm-hmm. But I never heard anybody say he's explosive, <laughs> he's fast. Right. Like when, they, when people tell me, oh, this defensive end is great, he's a leader. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck about leadership. That's right. I don't need you to be my leader. No, I, I worry about if he's a leader in year six. Can you bend the corner and get to the quarterback? Yes. And I never heard that about Derek Burnett. Yeah. And I'm not seeing any pass rush. And now I know that you're going up against Aaron Rodgers. It just feels scary. I got a weird theory about that. And you're actually the first person I've ever even mentioned this to. The Eagles, just between us. Just, just between us. That was bad. Just between us. The Eagles last year fired their defensive Line coach. Okay. Chris Wilson. Yes. He was a guy from, he was at Mississippi State when Fletcher was there. Old school guy, been around the league for a long time. Him and Michael Bennett just didn't see out of eye. I think they may have got into a little confrontation. Okay. They fired him. They got a brand new defensive line coach, Philip Daniels, who was there. Former defensive lineman was on the Bears. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. I'm not, and, I, and I don't know him at all, but I knew, I remember playing him against the Redskins. Good player. That defensive line looks different. Looks like guys are not getting it done. Obviously, we can we can we can look at the Fletcher Cox injury. I would say 
Yeah, there's a lot of reasons. Fletcher Cox injury, he no shouldn't Chris have played. Long, no Michael Bennett. Yeah, a bunch of different things. But they this, lost Timmy Jernigan. This yep. defensive line looks terrible. When they blitz, you bring eight people, you can't get to the quarterback. Ever. You bring four people, you can't get to no. the quarterback. And you add to that, Ronald Darby's hurt. You add to that, your secondary, Sidney Jones, a second-round pick a couple years ago, just looks average at this point. No pass rush plus average secondary play equals you're going to get burnt. Unless something happens and Aaron Rodgers starts throwing the ball to the other jerseys, unless something miraculous happens and Carson Wentz comes out and scores 20 points in the first quarter and every quarter past that, yeah, it just doesn't look good for our team. I, I really think the only way the Eagles have a chance on Thursday night is if Carson is MVP two years ago, Carson, well, and does wild shit. Look, this is not the defense to do that. Well, let's say, let's say he is, though. The problem wasn't Carson last yeah. week. And I think he had some throws he should have back that he probably wants back. And the problem seven drops. The yeah. problem was the seven drops. That's the problem. The other problem is I don't know that Doug Peterson right now as a play caller is calling a good enough game. No. But as we've seen, and I always say this, Doug needs to have a few games where he's trying some shit out mm-hmm. and it's not working. And then he goes, oh, let's get back to basic. Did you like the 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 guy that became an uh, internet meme about saying, I caught those kids, unlike Love Aguilar? Love him. Love him. I just I just watched it again. Universally loved this guy. Everybody And then John him. Clark caught up with him. I saw that. Like, I caught two, ran yeah. in for a touchdown. Rule my day. This kid, the guy, I mean, not a kid, he's a guy. He, he, did you, you saw the video. He did catch two people, which is amazing. Which, it, and the fire is blazing. He, it, did, he didn't even have a, like a firefighter suit on. I just, I want to say one thing. He's amazing. Everybody loves to shit on Philly fans. Yeah. Because of all the things that have happened in the past. But we also give the sports world people like this and those people do not exist in a, in a ton of other cities boston is a city where it'll happen well boston Chicago has some bad is a people city. there too of course but what i'm Every saying city is does, really. but with the chronically bad people you also get these amazing super fans right. that give you these great moments I love and you're it. fucking welcome the philly fans haven't done anything bad in a long time yeah i love the fact that everyone goes uh this well, is one guy really punched bad. a horse last year which, I don't know if they punched a horse, but they, he ate horse poop. Well, the one yeah, that was a different guy. But one guy did punch a police horse straight to jail. Just come follow me, sir. Put your I'm hands behind your back. If you've ever had a horse kind of walk up to you. I have a horse farm. So, yeah, I have. I but, have but you, so you want to punch horses now? So I have, this is a complete story that is apropos of nothing. When <laughs> I was in Louisville, I work too much. I have right. a chronic issue where I work too much. And I would stay at the office until like one in the morning because I worked in local TV. And I was like, I'm going to cut up all my stuff and put it online. And we had a janitor there. And I'm not going to say his name. But this janitor was like lived in downtown Louisville and like black guy with the most energetic thing ever. And he would just go outside and rip cigarettes. And one day he came in and he showed me a picture that he used to work at Churchill Downs mm-hmm. and he had a jerry curl. And I made fun of him. I said, dude, you look like easy. <laughs> like you see this, this, ice, this uh-huh. ice cube right uh-huh. here. He looked like that. Yeah. And we would sit around and he'd just tell me stories. And he said, I said, you ever get bit by a horse? He said, I'm going to tell you a story. He said, one time I went into the stall and I, w- I had carrots in my pocket and, and this horse came over and he bit me right in my nipple mm-hmm. and for, and it, it, he wouldn't let go. And my thing went black and blue. And you mm-hmm. know what I did? 
I walked back in there one time and I took a cigarette and I put it in that motherfucker's eye. And I said, you, what the fuck? I was like, you can't do that. He goes, fucking A, I did. That motherfucker never bit me again. And I go race horses too. And I was like, that's not even your horse. Right. Like someone that's paying right. millions of dollars. He was like, that's what you get for biting my motherfucking ass. <laughs> and I was like, and I almost said his name and I was like, bro, you can't be doing that right, shit. He right. goes, I'll fuck a horse up. They fuck with me. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, bro, you were around horses for way too long. Way too, long. Way too comfortable. Yeah, to, to go around. That's animal cruelty. No, you can't do that. He goes, that was that was my body cruelty. I've seen horses bite some people before, though. And fuck them up. Well, listen, that's one of the reasons you don't, should not, you should not feed horses with your hand. Because it, it, a lot of horses, they, they, they're creatures. They're creatures of habit. You come into the thing with, with carrots in your pocket all the time. They're going for them. And one, look, just one day you don't have carrots. They're biting that pocket. They that, want their care. It's they want on, their apple. That's honestly a story. Uh, my, I have a friend, Mike Colombo. He he's a cigarette in his eye. He's a new, <laughs> he's a news anchor uh, out there in St. Louis, Missouri, and we laugh about him because we were. He was like both there, and he's like, "What the fuck is wrong with yeah, you?" Yeah. The other story we laugh about a lot is uh, Danny Trevathan, uh, who had a great sack against Crazy. the Bears. Great game, but oh, he also God. did the one where he ran, stopped, and then kept oh, going. Great fake. Um, but I covered him at Kentucky, and he had a pick six. When one time and he's from the south too and i said man what did you see on that play he goes i just saw that pig skin spinning mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the, he, and i said did you accidentally put an h in that he no. goes what are you talking about i said you said pig skin he goes it's a pig skin yeah he didn't even hear it i yeah. fucking love i love danny Trevathan until this day because yeah. he calls it a pig skin that's how that's how i want my defensive players i don't want them i just want you to go out there and, and hunt that's all i want you to agreed do. uh bills patriots I think the Bills are going to keep it close. And I, I think they're going to I don't I don't know if they're going to shock the world, shock the world, but I think that it's in Buffalo where Brady, you know, he's had some great games, he's also had some really bad games. Sam Adams, Sam yes. uh, Adams always comes back to my mind, but I want I, I just think Sean McDermott knows this Patriots offense. Edelman's banged up a little bit. I I am I do not have the balls to say the Patriots are gonna lose this game because I think that defense is gonna really fuck up Josh Allen. I'll I'll say this. And and it's it's kind of hard. It's really almost similar. So the Patriots played the uh Steelers, Miami, then the Jets. Weak schedule. Right. The Bills played the Jets, the Giants, and Cincinnati. I know. Kind so of, we really don't kind of know. Weeks. So I, I went, my first thought was, well, the Bills have played a much harder schedule. They're more prepared for the game. But that's mm. just not true. No. I believe this. I'll go out on the limb. Uh, I'll take Buffalo. Uh, to I'll win the game outright? I'll take Buffalo. Wow. What's making you feel this way? There's not very much that's making me feel this way. I just, You're just you got to you, you know how yeah, you're feeling in your gut a little bit? Yeah. Like, it's about time that they – let's say you take away Josh Gordon. The Bills' run game is okay so far. I think Sean McDermott – and probably I'm biased because I know him and I like Sean a lot. I think he's figured this thing out for the Patriots. And I think that they can rattle Tom just a bit. And I think they have the defensive line and linebacker core that can rattle them yeah. just a bit. That What's the line? Tell me the line. Well, that, the line I think is it's either six and a half or seven. I would definitely bet that. I definitely would. I think they have the, the, the defensive wherewithal to be able to rattle him just enough to make him make a mistake, which not a lot of teams can do. Right. He can make one mistake, and, and, and if Josh Allen can just have a day, 
So a lot of different things have to go into beating the Patriots, period. Look, I'll talk, I talk about this game all the time. Patriots at Bills last year. The final score, deceiving as hell, 25-6. to six. Yeah. The starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills last year was Derek Anderson, who had, was re- not on a team four days before the game, mm-hmm. but they had injuries to Josh Allen. He had to come in. In the third quarter, it was 9-6 to six New England. It was 12 to 6 heading into the fourth. The only reason it became 25 to 6 was after a James White touchdown, Devin McCourty had an 84 yard interception return. It is a tough place to play. Yep. Buffalo is 3 and 0. That fan base is going to be going nuts. Check this out. I'm just worried about Josh Allen throwing some pick six. Over the last two years, Tom Brady has three, only three touchdowns in four games. Last two years, three touchdowns versus the Bills. He has four interceptions. Again, I'm just letting you know, This, I bet there's no other team that he has those stats over the last two years. This may be the team that can force him to a, a turnover. This only had one game. So one game he had, week 16 he had two interceptions. That's last year. 2017 he had interception, at least one interception in each game they played him. Four interceptions total in the last two years. I'm just telling you that this may be the team that can force Tom into some mistakes. And if they could do it and their offense just has a day, yeah. that's different. I'm going to talk to Warren Sharp about this, so I'll let you know before you put any money. Yes. He's our spiritual guide. At the same point, I'm looking at the over-under at 44, Ooh, and I'm thinking— That's a lot of points. Put it, bet the yeah, under. That's a lot of points. I was like, I don't even—I was like, you have a Patriots defense that is at a historic pace. Yeah. You have a Bills defense that's insanely well-coached. Who's scoring all those points? This, to me, is like 17 40. 14, no. 21, 16. Unless something crazy happens. An 89-yard yeah. return. All right. And then the only other game I had is is um, you have an undefeated Cowboys team going to New Orleans. Saints went into Seattle in the rain, come back in the dome. Uh, they did have in that game against the Cowboys a fumble return for a touchdown Difference. and a kick return for a touchdown. Difference. And the thing is with the Cowboys is what you brought up with the Bills uh, are we sure they're really good? They've beaten, and I I believe they are. I'm just saying, they've beaten the Giants, mm-hmm. they've beaten Washington, and they've beaten Miami. Yes. The Saints have outlasted the Texans, have gone, uh, they had to play the Rams That's without Drew Brees, Brees yeah. and then went into Seattle. Uh, I think this one is going to be a knockdown drag out. Now, Cowboys did go into New Orleans last year when New Orleans was high and mighty yep. and beat and them. And I do that have— That defense looked good in that game. And, and I will say this. I think the Cowboys' defense um, will this year be phenomenal. I still think they're getting over a lot of injuries. They did just get Robert Quinn back from yep. suspension. Yep. But this game, to me, is a coin flip type of game. I don't know. I think, I think t- in my mind, last week I had the Saints losing, right? In Seattle, because I thought Seattle was just far and above better, right. especially with Teddy coming in. I thought they were better. And I wonder, and, and, and I don't know this to be true. I just wonder. Here's a question I have. Okay. Did they just win their Super Bowl last week? Because Teddy and you, you go to the, the uh, to, to Seattle and we won. That was my gut. My gut is, is anytime I see a team that gets one or more scores based on special teams or turnovers, and it's an emotional game, and 
And I just watched a clip of Teddy Bridgewater in the locker room after the game holding up a football and being emotional. Yep. And that was our let's prove that we're more than Drew That's Brees right. game. That's right. That's right. And, and Dallas is coming off a game in which they were up 10-6 to six at halftime mm-hmm. over the Miami Dolphins and probably got an earful all week that if Devontae Parker actually or Preston Williams actually catches that touch on the end zone, you're losing to the Dolphins That's at right. halftime. Uh, anytime I see a team win and a team almost lose to the worst team in football, I go bet against that. Here's a question for you. And and God, this is this is what I think is gonna brain. this is what I think is gonna happen. We haven't seen Zeke do his thing quite yet. Just haven't seen him. Because they haven't needed him. They played three bad teams. I think this may be the game where Zeke gets going a little bit. The question is, can New Orleans defense stop him? And what do they have to do to stop Zeke? I mean, that's the dilemma for all teams that have the ability to run the football. Especially with Amari Cooper on the outside ball. What do you have to do to stop the running back? Well, if you got to put eight in the box, then this new, improved Dak Prescott, now is your time to shine. The line right now for that game, Dallas is favored about two and a half. On the road. On the road. Which shows you that uh, Vegas is agree. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I still think I bet Dallas. Really? I think I, I think I would pick Dallas in that game. Yeah. Because of everything we just talked about. No, I think I, – no, 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 no. What do you mean you think you picked Dallas? They, they're, 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 yeah, I, would, I would lay the points and take Dallas. Yeah, I would take Dallas too. Yeah, of course. I, I would too. I think they're the better team. I still think their quarterback play is going to be better. I don't think that – I thought Teddy had a good game. Yes. Not great. Agreed. I think that the offense There's a lot is, of Alvin Kamara being special. Alvin Kamara is absolutely special. And I, and I look at Dallas and I go – Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith can run side to side. They can move. But what we saw last year, in that game in Dallas, it was in Dallas, right? I think I might make Dallas one of my super contests. They they went in there, and they beat up Drew Brees. Beat the shit out of him. They beat him up. I I think they still get to the quarterback. I still think that, I mean, this is what I saw from the, the Saints. Last year, Mark Ingram suspended. Kamara just had had his way. He's catching the ball out of the backfield. They're throwing it to him all the time. He's running the ball. That's what they went back to last week. And he had a great game. Yeah. I don't know that you're doing that against Dallas. No. And the other thing is, too, is Michael Thomas. Uh, I think Amber told me this before the show that um, Kamara and Thomas and Amari and Zeke are the two top running back wide receiver combos in terms of yards. Mm-hmm. But I look at the matchups yep. and I look at Marshawn Lattimore, who I do not believe. I think he is a very good cornerback, mm-hmm. but I think Amari Cooper is a very tough matchup because Lattimore likes to be physical and Cooper's all about speed. Yep. And I look at this, the linebackers of the Saints and they lost Alex Anzalone a few weeks ago. And I don't think they have the guys to really bang uh, with Zeke. But I think the opposite matchup is great. I look at the linebackers of the Cowboys in Vander Esch and right. Jalen. I think they can sideline to sideline. They could really do a two versus one That's right. where they stand there and whichever way Kamara goes, Take you got him. Yep. Which not a lot of teams have that. Nope. And I look at Byron Jones. Byron Jones can bang with Michael Thomas. That's right. Because you don't you're not worried about Michael Thomas's speed. He's not going to pass you. Byron Jones, for everyone that doesn't know was a safety at UConn, mm-hmm. so he's physical as fuck. And if you remember, he had like an 11-11 broad jump. Yep. He's one of the freakiest athletes out, out there. And if you've ever played basketball against somebody that's a lot more athletic than you, not fun. you have to go in the block yep. and hope that you can get like six or seven points. That's what Michael Thomas is going to have to go. The problem with the Saints is if you take away Kamara and you limit Michael Thomas, that pass rush is coming. Other than Taysom Hill, who else is open? Ted Ginn, Traquan, like they don't got those horses. I, I think this is 
Well, it looks the, really good for the Cowboys. The other part for the Cowboys is that Prescott has developed a relationship with Gallup. He has developed a relationship with Cobb. Just now, Gallup is out. He's out. But, but Cobb, Cobb and Devin and Smith Devin are there. Smith. And he gets fly. Fly. So, I mean, hey. And guess what? We saw Kenny Stills and Will Fuller fly against oh, the Saints. Goodness. Tyler yes. Lockett put up like, I don't know. Kenny Stills, is, he's the number two receiver down the there in, in Houston. That's right what now. he's looking. And then also, uh, who's the other game that I'm missing? Uh, I mean, Cooper Cup ran through the whole fucking Saints defense. Cooper Cup is that one piece that the Rams were missing last year. All right, so I, I'm going to tell you so this. Like on on this same like game, though, let's, let's think about this. Dak Prescott, no interceptions yet, right? No, he has two. He has two. Yep. He threw one in the last two games. Yeah. Turnovers, big plays. This 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 changes the course for teams that we like. Turnovers, big plays. Can you get a turnover to Dak? Can you get a big play somewhere on the defensive side of the ball? If you can, that can swing the game. Yeah, I still like Dallas, but those are the things that swings game swings games. That's what happened to the Saints up there in Seattle. All right, so you still owe me a money, but we a don't money. Have just bets. just a money, a money. And, and we're still waiting and, on Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, yeah. That's, he's not going to Detroit anyway. So that's uh, that that would be. Oh, Darius Slay's banged up, banged up. No. Westbrook, you're the fucking man. All right, brother. Uh, Ingber, again, thank you for all the research. Uh, Nick, thank you for putting Aaron Rodgers back there. I really appreciate that. Aaron Rodgers and a mustache. If you have not seen Ditch the Playbook yet with Coon and Williams, pretty cool. I implore you to check it out. It's a lot of fun. And of course, Friday, we're going to be making a money with Warren Sharp. <laughs> uh, for Brian Westbrook. The Rocket Man. Nice. I didn't even tell you the story about the Rocket Man. I'll uh, tell you next time. Next time we'll hear the story of the Rocket Man. I am the L E F K O E man. I don't want to do the high pitch. Yeah. We'll holler at you motherfuckers later. Peace. <laughs>